ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋಭುನತ್ತು ಸಹವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾ ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿಶಾಂತಿ ಓಂ ಪೂರ್ಣಮದ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಿದ ಪೂರ್ಣಮುದಚ್ಯೇ ಪೂರ್ಣಸ್ಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮಾಲಯ ಪೂರ್ಣಮೇವಶಿಷ್ಯೇ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 ಶ್ರುತಿಸ್ಮೃತಿಪುರಾಣಲಯಂಕರುಣಾಲಯ ನಮಿ ಭಗವತ್ಪಾದ ಶಂಕರ ಲೋಕಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವಂಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇರಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾವಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತ ಫಸ್ಟ್ ವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಇನ್ವೋಕೇಶನ್ ವರ್ಡ್ಸ್ ಶ್ರೀಹರಿ ಪರಮಾನಂದ ಉಪದೇಷ್ಟಾರಮೀಶ್ವರಂಪಕರ್ವಲೋಕಾಕರಣೂತಿರ್ವೈ ರೋಚತೆ ಮೋಕ್ಷಸಿದ್ಧೇವ ಪ್ರಯತ್ನ ಅನುಬಂಧ ಚತುಷ್ಟಿ ಗ್ರೂಪ್ ಆಫ್ ಫೋರ್ ಫ್ಯಾಕ್ಟರ್ಸ್ which bind us or connect us with the text <coughs> for whom prekshavat pravrutte for a person who is wise or discerning meaning that the wise or discerning or learned people will proceed to study something only when these four factors are present <coughs> and so presenting those four factors also there is a pratigna proposition by the teacher here of what it is that he is going to compose <coughs> what it is going to do aparokshan bhutir vai vai is an indeclinable particle sometimes in sense of prasiddhi something that is well known so aparokshanubhuti vai is the parokshanubhuti the self knowledge the immediate knowledge of the self is vai is vidyat anubhavam anubhavasiddham 
something that is very well with, with which the wise people are familiar with. Aparvakshana Bhuti, as we discussed in the morning, self-knowledge. What is what's the nature of self-knowledge? Way that with which the wise people are very familiar. Meaning that we are not talking about something which is strange or unknown or something new, something that is familiar, something that is traditionally coming down to us. <coughs> so, with that Anuva Prasiddha, that knowledge or Anubhuti experience, you want to call it, <coughs> it is like this when the tenth man is told, so it's tenth man is searching for the tenth man. And finally, when they could not find naturally, then fortunately an older gentleman is passing by. He asked his children, what's the matter? Why you fellows so sad? We were lost, one of us. We were ten when we left. Now we are only nine. How do you determine that you are nine? Well, I counted. Show me how you counted. He asked his friends to line up. Counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. See, there are only nine people. Don't worry, my child. I'll show you where the tenth person is. Have you seen him? I have seen him. Where is he? I'll show you. Count again. Carefully. So now, at least this boy has now trust in this person. He has been able to command the trust of this person that he knows. So all the Shraddha again counts. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Where is the tenth man? You are the tenth man. Oh, oh yeah, I am the tenth man. Tubular happens in his mind. I am the tenth man. So what is the nature of that knowledge of the tenth man? It's called experience of tenth man. Knowledge of tenth man. Realize it. What will you call it? I realize I am the tenth man. I see I am the tenth man. So, he is seeing one's own self. It's not that he sees the tenth man as someone different from himself. In that seeing the tenth man, the duality of the seer seen is not involved. You can say, I see I am the tenth man. I know I am the tenth man. I experience the tenth man. So for that you can use whatever word you want. Similarly, I see that I am Brahman. So that's that seeing of my own self. Because the self is always self-revealing. Tenth man is always there, also reveals himself, except that this fellow's mind is just distracted on account of the notion that the tenth man is lost. So he's always searching for the tenth man outside. So when that distraction is gone, because when the old man says, I'll tell you where the tenth man is, at least the, the fine fellow's mind has become quiet. And where do you see that fact? If normally I, you are the tenth man, you may not understood what is meant by that. 
So he made him go through the exercise. Then he says, yes, I can see, I'm detained, because I, 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 lost, I forgot to take myself into account. What, however he sees that. So how does he see himself? Not as a person, doesn't see much eyes, not even the mind. So he sees. That is the kind of seeing of one's own self. As I right now also see, we always have aparokshana bhuti, meaning we always immediate experience of ourselves. You say in the morning, Except that what is happening here is that along with the self is also mixed up what is not the self. And therefore the most important thing to do here is viveka, is to separate the self from the non-self. When we are told what are the characteristics of non-self, so I can distinguish what is non-self and I let it go. And then I see myself again as the characteristics are told. So here the point is that self-knowledge, realization is always there. In that the non-self is mixed up in there where all these complexes are there. So it's a matter of letting go what I am not. What remains is what I am, which is again self-shining. <coughs> And so this is something possible to everybody. If it was a matter of knowing something else, experiencing something else, it's likely that I may not necessarily have the faculties of, you know, understanding what the scientists reveal and what, I may not have. If you to go to some mountain top to see something or somewhere, then maybe we may not be able to do that. You go to Brahmaloka or some place, you know, then see, then it's possible that we may not be able to do that. But this is our own self. And therefore, everybody is qualified. It is potentially qualified. And when you know what the qualifications are required, you know, qualifications are, then we can cultivate those qualifications, which also everybody can do. Is something everybody can do. There may be some practices that everybody cannot do. But here is something that everybody can potentially do. <coughs> so, Purukshanapoti, that direct seeing, perception, knowledge of myself, <coughs> which is something very famous or very well known to the wise people. Prochyade, Prakashena Uchyade. Now, is being told by us. <coughs> so, fortunately, you have the word meaning also here. Prochyade, Uchyade is spoken. Prochyade, Prakarshena Uchyade is very well spoken, very well said by us. <coughs> so what is meant by very well said? The author says that we will talk about this Aparokshana Bhuti in such a manner that it leaves no doubt. Tattat Ashanka Nirakana Purvakam 
by addressing all kinds of doubts that can possibly arise in the knowledge. Siddhanta rasya pradasan rupena and by displaying what the Siddhanta or what the, 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 the firm conclusion is. <coughs> Siddhanta, something that has been very well arrived at. And conviction, the assertive man, meaning that we will say this or we will explain this in such a manner that a conviction or a true ascertainment happens in you without any doubt or vagueness. So we will say this Bhuti, the self-knowledge in such a manner that it occurs to it, takes place in you, leaving no vagueness or doubt, such that a clear knowledge happens in you. In that manner we will tell you. So that is the commitment the teacher makes. Because the teacher is not satisfied simply by saying what he wants to say. His objective is to make the student see. Because he wants to make the student free from samsara. And that can happen only when the student gains that knowledge. So he'll tell you as much as, as long as required. As much as required. In whatever manner required. Such that you will clearly see. Leaving no vagueness or doubt. As Lord Krishna displays in Bhagavad Gita. In the 18th chapter at the end he asks Arjuna. Arjuna, have you listened to what I have said carefully? And is your delusion gone, ignorance gone or not? Arjuna says, yes, thank God, otherwise there would have been another 18 chapters. If Arjuna said no, then Gita would have been longer than that. That question is asked by Lord Krishna because his commitment is to make Arjuna see. So not saying what I want to say, what the teacher wants to say, what the student needs. <coughs> so prochate, that Aparokshanabhuti is being told by us clearly. For what? So Aparokshanabhuti becomes the subject matter. The Vishaya, the subject matter of this text is Aparokshanabhuti. That word means both. The self-knowledge, immediate self-knowledge, or also the text, this text of which, is, which reveals the Aparokshanabhuti, the self-knowledge also is called Aparokshanabhuti in a secondary sense. The Gopanishad means self-knowledge. But then the text that expounds that self-knowledge is called Upanishad. Like history, like geography. So book also is called history which expounds the history. Thus the book text also is called Aparokshanabhuti in a secondary sense. So this Aparokshanabhuti, which is Vishaya, the subject matter, Prochade, what for? Moksha Siddhaya. Siddhaya, for acquisition of Moksha, freedom or liberation. So again, what is moksha? 
much in the sense of release or freedom. When the word moksha is derived, so moksha means freedom. Or we may say unconditional freedom. So this morning we talked about unconditional happiness. Same thing can be said about unconditional freedom. That what we want is not only freedom but, but unconditional freedom. <coughs> so British wanted to give freedom to India with conditions, you know. That, you know, you this much administration you will do and then we will do this much and then this, some kind of control. This is unconditional freedom. In the beginning they were willing to settle with some kind of a condition. Later on realized, you know, we want unconditional freedom. Hello, you are not competent to handle your problems, leave it to us. You will get hurt, we will learn. Does not matter. We will get hurt, we will learn, we will grow, we will go through pain, leave it to us. So it's none of your business. Because everybody is right for freedom, everybody is right also to, to grow, to own, uh, own that freedom. Anyway, that was the freedom of the country. But the thing is, each one of us is seeking that freedom, unconditional freedom. So now and then we do experience freedom, freedom of speech and freedom of this and freedom of that, and all kinds of freedom we have. But do we really have freedom? That may have political freedom, this freedom, that so freedom as people understand. The freedom to say what I want to say, the freedom to do what I want to do. The freedom to go where I want to go, all right? So all that freedom is given to you. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to say, whatever you want to experience, whatever you want to enjoy, whatever you want to do. Shall we call it freedom? Is it? There is freedom in one way. There is nobody to restrict or restrain what I want to do. There is no external restraint in what I want to do, what I want to say. But understand that restraint mainly is not external, restraint is internal. It's not that the world really makes me, you know, helpless or makes me a slave. Maybe they may try to do. What makes me slave is my own mind. I am first a slave of my own mind and then I become the slave of the world. That's what Gandhi said, that we Indians are slaves of British because we first are slaves of our own mind. Then anybody can come and conquer you, anybody can come and rule you because ruled by our own mind. So he always preached that internal freedom first before we get that external freedom. Anyway, but the here is also freedom is to be attained from my own self, my own mind, from my own impulses, which may be reduced to two, raga and dvesha, attachment and aversions. So attachment and aversion are the impulses which control me. Trividam, narakasidam, Dwaram nasanam atmanaha, kamaha, krodha, tathalobaha. 
So Lord Krishna reduces all impulses to three. Kama, Krodha, Loha. The lust, anger, greed. So they control me. So I may have freedom to speak what I want to speak, all right, but do I have that? Is it not my anger that decides what I speak? Is it not my greed which decides what I do? Is it not my karma or lust decides what I enjoy? What I enjoy, I may have freedom as far as the external world is concerned. With my karma, that bhoga buddhi, that the, the, the impulse of indulgence is what controls me. It's my anger very often that controls what I speak and what I do. It's my greed that controls again how I deal with money and various other things. And therefore, as long as these impulses are there, nobody is free. When they are not there, one is free under any conditions. Whether you are in the prison, wherever you are. Because the freedom is not a characteristic or description of an external situation. Freedom is a state of mind. It is a subjective thing. So moksha is unconditional freedom. When my mind is completely favorable to me, when there is no conflict in the mind at all, and mind is totally favorable, mind is totally abiding, mind is pleased with itself, never has no, is free from the need of lust and anger and greed. So therefore freedom is when one discovers a total satisfaction or contentment with oneself, total acceptance of oneself, <coughs> total freedom of all the conflicts within. That is the freedom. So moksha siddha. First of all, we should know what it is that we are seeking in our life. That we are seeking moksha, which is unconditional freedom, and that is freedom from the all my impulses. But this kama, krodha, loba, where is it born of? Avidya, kama, karma. Vedanta explains that the root of this impulse is in ignorance. Self-ignorance, where ignorance is not merely absence of knowledge, ignorance is the false perception or the false knowledge. And so the misperception, the false perception I have in myself is what causes the kama, krodha, loha, which is what binds me. <coughs> so moksha siddha, when you discover a total satisfaction with ourselves, the karma or a desire is the result of an inner dissatisfaction. As a result of Parokshana Bhuti, a result of seeing myself or what I am, I see myself to a complete being. The total satisfaction or contentment, there is no scope for any desire. There is no desire, no scope for anger. No desire, no scope for greed. And that is how this knowledge, which brings to manifestation the wholeness or completeness, which is my true nature. So that knowledge 
brings about what? The Paramananda, the Ananda, the, the totality, the wholeness of myself. When I see myself as whole and complete being, when there is total satisfaction with myself, total contentment with myself, then there is no conflict, there is no battle within, there is a total peace. When I am at peace with myself, <coughs> all the internal impulses are gone, because the cause is gone. All impulses are the effects, you remove the cause, the effect goes. <coughs> Moksha Siddhi for Siddhi, accomplishment of Moksha, unconditional freedom. <coughs> moksha will be described also, but Moksha can be simply understood as freedom or unconditional freedom. <coughs> because in deep sleep also you become free, by the way. And in a moment of ecstasy also become free. But that is not freedom, that, that is freedom that comes and goes. And we want a freedom that comes and never goes. That's called moksha. <coughs> so what's the prayojanam? What is the purpose of this text? Moksha. And therefore, who is the one who is adhikari? Who is the first student for studying this text? Moksha, one wants moksha, isn't it? If the purpose of this text is to enable you to gain moksha, liberation, freedom, then who is the qualified student, who is a competent student, one who wants freedom? So who doesn't want freedom? Yes, one wants freedom, all right. We should also know what's the nature of that freedom, how to gain that freedom. Freedom everybody wants. And all our efforts, endeavors, whatever we do, every moment is for the purpose of freedom. Unfortunately, when the freedom is not pursued properly, the very pursuit of freedom brings about more bondage. That's all. So he's unmarried because married for becoming free, so that somebody is there, you know, to help him cooking this, that, what not, and you know. She is lonely, they have children. So, if any effort is, this did not have to cause bondage. What I mean is just people because they don't do it in a mature way. That's why what we do, we keep, you know, keeps on increasing the bondage. When not done intelligently. When you live life intelligently, it becomes process of discovering freedom progressively. Live unintelligently, life becomes what? a process of increasing the freedom, bondage. As well, Swami would say, what is progress? Progress is converting luxury into necessity. Luxury is something I can do with, I need not have. Necessity is something I cannot do without. So what is progress? We are converting luxuries, which is good if it is there, although it is not there, you know, necessities. In necessities, bondage, I can't do without something. So, is it progress? There is an expansion of what things that I cannot, means my bondage, my freedom, I mean, you know, dependence. So, there were people are searching for freedom, no doubt about that. But this is an intelligent way of searching for freedom. Where is freedom? The self is the nature of freedom.
never self knowledge is the means of freedom so that discernment has to come so those who discover it is self knowledge which is the means of freedom means of moksha ahankarad dehantan bandhan agnyan kalpitan that all the bondage is due to ignorance and it is ignorance of self and never it is knowledge of self which is means of moksha he is called mamoksha or he is called jignas everybody is a mamoksha everybody wants moksha is only an intelligent person knows or a discerning person knows that moksha liberation can be attained only by self knowledge because the bondage is the product of self ignorance and therefore the knowledge is the result of self knowledge that follows is adhikari everybody is a moksha because then we'll do what is required for self knowledge only for that person aprokshan bodhi self knowledge is meaningful otherwise it's not meaningful you go and give lectures to millions they know nobody will listen to you they don't say any need, need of self knowledge so one way discover the need of self knowledge by recognizing that self ignorance is my problem nothing else children also are not problem and parents also are not problem nobody is the problem only self ignorance and all the notions and complexes born of self ignorance are the problems if they are not there there is no problem what is the situation as some you say it is i who converts the situations into problems there is uncanny knack that we have we convert situations into problems because your problem is ourselves and everybody else becomes a problem when is all the problem no problem myself no problem is anybody else that's giving real freedom to others give freedom to others enjoy you can give freedom to others you are enjoying freedom if you are not enjoying freedom the so called freedom is nothing but you know being indifferent being another kind of aversion we can give real freedom to others when we enjoy freedom in ourselves <coughs> and there was that viveka is required that discernment is required so that discerning person is here the adhikari the the one who will most be, be most benefiting will most benefit from this <coughs> so vishayas aparokshanubhuti purpose is moksha prayojanam adhikari is mamukshu the one who wants moksha with an understanding that the bondage is the product of self ignorance and moksha therefore is the result of self knowledge <coughs> if you think that bondage is because i am not in heaven one is because you know the people are doing different things there are million, so many paths are there so many pursuits are there so called spiritual pursuits are there they are all fine people are doing different things because their perception of what the problem is the solution will be compatible to the problem so whatever it is that is my understanding of the problem that will solution that i will adopt so one who is this understanding that bondage is the result of 
सेल्फ इग्नेंस स्वस्वरूपान बोधेन मोक्तम इच्छा इट इज बाय बोध नॉलेज ऑफ वन सोन नेचर सो वन अंडरस्टैंड दिस इज अमुक्षु और जिज्ञासु सो स्वामी ओर से मुमुक्षु शुड गेट ट्रांसफॉर्म जिज्ञासु जिज्ञासु द वन हुई डिजायर ऑफ नॉलेज सो वन हुई डिजायर ऑफ लिबरेशन बिकम्स वॉट इट ट्रांस गेट ट्रांसफॉर्म इन टू वन हुई डिजायर ऑफ नॉलेज इज हैपन विद अर्जुना दैट ही गॉट ट्रांसफॉर्म एंड देन इज लॉर्ड प्लीज टीच मी बिकम ए जिज्ञासु सो देर आर मेनी मुमुक्षूज and many kinds of pursuits are there many sadhana many spiritual practices are there but who will be most benefited by this the one who understands that it is self ignorance with a problem and self knowledge is solution so moksha siddhe for them so all the things are three things are told the subject matter the prayojan the purpose adhikari the student for whom this is written so here next line second line the author recommends what is the recommend sad vireva prayatnena vikshaniya muhur muhu vikshaniya muhur muhu muhur again and again Vikshaniya should be meditated upon, should be contemplated upon, should be deliberated upon. Muhur mu again and again. So author says, this simply by one round of this text may not be enough. It may be necessary for a person to go through again and again and again. until the knowledge takes place so author is very confident that what he is providing in this text is quite adequate for a jignyasu for a discerning aspirant to gain liberation but depending upon what his preparation is if he is what to uttamadhikari the most prepared student may one round is enough otherwise two rounds three rounds n number of rounds but he is quite confident that what is given is enough adequate what you need is go through it again and again so every time you go through the mind becomes gains a little clarity little clarity little clarity Very clear. Until knowledge becomes very clear. <clears throat> so until then, sad behi means what? By sad means by wise people, by discerning people. Sad behi. Who is sad purusha? A good person. A person committed to sad or truth, committed to a life of virtues. Sad behi by the sadhus by. the experience by the good people by sincere seekers this is worth vikshaniya muhurmuhu it is worth deliberating upon again and again for what 
for moksha siddhi, for attainment of moksha. <coughs> so Sambandha is being told. What do you need to do? This knowledge you must revolve in your mind again and again and again. That's the sadhana. That's the connection. This text and the moksha is, you don't need to do anything else. Need is to gain clarity in this knowledge. But Swami always made a point, clarity is the name of the game. He would give the example of a, a Polaroid picture. So with a Polaroid camera, take a picture. Whose picture? Swami sitting on the chair. Pull out that frame. You see this very vague outline of Swami sitting in the chair. So vague outline also you see the Swami sitting in the chair. And then as the time goes by, it becomes clearer and clearer. And slowly you see the ah, these are the eyes, the lips, the face. And slowly features become clearer and clearer. In two minutes, the whole picture is very clear. So the clarity comes like that. Right away it may not come. You get the overall outlines. And then vikshaniya mahur muhu. Vikshanam is to be done. Deliberation is to be done. Contemplation is to be done. Meditation is to be done. You must revolve this in your mind again and again and again to gain the clarity until all the vagueness and all doubts, they go away. <coughs> so this is called pratigna, proposition of what it is that we are doing here. <coughs> now the, the author proceeds, you know, because the <coughs> So sadbihi, sadhuvihi, you must be a sadhu for benefiting from the upadesha or teaching of this text. Who is the sadhu? Or what does the author mean by the word sadhu? So, by sadhu is meant the sadhana chatushta sampanna. The one is sampanna who was one who has accomplished sadhana chatushta, the fourfold qualification. So, the, the earlier was sadbihi by those who are sadhus, good people. By sadhu is meant the sadhana chatushta sampanna. One who enjoys that fourfold qualification. So, what are those fourfold qualifications? Or how do you get them? How do you become a sadbihi? How do you become a sadhu? How do you become a good person, you know? So that is how... Uh, <clears throat> but Sadmihi means pure in the heart, okay? How do you become pure in your heart? So who will most benefit from this text? The one who is pure in heart. How do you gain purity of heart? So next verse tells us how to gain the purity in the heart. So let's read the third verse. <clears throat> Svarnashramadharmena Tapasaharitoshanad Sadhanam chabhavet pumsam Vairagyadi chatushtayam
second line says, Sadhanam cha bhavet pumsam. So pumsam, for the people, for the seekers, for the aspirants, sadhanam, the means. Svairagyadi chatushtayam. So, the chatushtayam, the group of four qualifications, one attains. So, sadhana, what's the means of attaining that fourfold qualifications? Or, what's the means of attaining that inner purity? The first line says, Sovaranashtram dharmena tapasa haritoshanat. These three things we should have in our life. Then we gain the internal purity. Sovaranashtram dharmena. By dharma. So what is meant by dharma here is the duty. The prescribed duty. So you understand, remember that this is a text composed, you know, 1200 years ago, it was composed by Shankaracharya. So that time, there was a certain order in the society. And there is a structure. So when there is a structure in my life, a structure in the society, a structure in individual's life, then you know how to relate to each other. So just as a tag is given, you know, so and so, so tag is there, Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, whatever. Depending upon the disposition of mind, the society is, the tasks in the society are divided depending upon the the, the competence, the disposition of the people, their, their competence, their preferences. So, you give the right kind of chore, task to the right person. That was the idea. To run the society, so many things have to be done. And everybody cannot do everything. Depending upon your disposition of mind, you will be competent to do a given thing. So what a carpenter do, that a Vedic scholar cannot do. And what that fellow can do, a fighter cannot do. So everybody can do what he can do and others cannot do. Meaning everybody comes with a very unique nature, with unique attributes, unique capabilities. And ideal thing is to assign to the person what the person is most suited for. So this was the idea of what you call the Varna Vyavastaha or looking at the, the arranging the society or by distributing the tasks in this four what we call the caste, four Varna or the castes. <coughs> Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra. And then four stages of life, Brahmacharya, Ganastya, Vanaprastya, Sanyasa. Anyway, that's those days. Right now, of course, that kind of thing, I mean, I mean, those days it was possible to determine the caste of a person from the birth. When the, when the system is there, then there will be also uh, possible to decide, you know, the disposition of a person based on the birth. But when that system doesn't remain, because uh, 
following dharma the duty always requires self restraint dharma means do what is right and they prescribe what is right for you all right but then as you said what is right always requires a restraint because there is usually an impulse of doing what is convenient or doing what i like so very often what i like is not what is right so dharma or the duty requires me to check or restrain my tendency to do what is what i like and do what is right so dharma or the duty always involves self restraint in most cases a time may come that doing what is right what is right all the time a time will come when you are naturally effortless do what is right then you are really established in dharma it will happen you keep speaking truth by controlling impulse of speaking you know untruth suppose because the tendency is to tell a lie a tendency to steal the tendencies may be there restraining those tendencies do what is right see what is right a time will come when what i do becomes truth meaning truth becomes spontaneous so right dharma also can become spontaneous for a person when a person really lives a disciplined life so swavarnashram dharmena by dharma meaning doing what is right performing was duty that's dharma so right now we can we forget about varnashram but then we can definitely we know exactly what a situation calls for we have to ask ourselves what is the appropriate response to a given situation what is expected of me in a given situation and the swami would say that in every situation we play a role we play a variety of roles father mother son daughter husband wife master servant if we moment we play a role and there is a script for every role is in a play or a drama there is a script for roles also there is a script for the right way of playing every role that script is called dharma never i must be true to my role that's all as father there is the dignity that the father has dignity that mother has dignity that son has daughter has a citizen has everybody has dignity and then therefore i conduct myself in a dignified way in a responsible way in a mature way let's call dharma and that will happen when whatever i do is done in the spirit of contribution and only it will be really a dignified way and the father also when i am really relating to my children my relation is one of contributing to them not what they will do for me when they grow i am doing right now this for you what are you going to do for me that stuff is not there ideally it may be there but <clears throat> this real dharma is where there is always a spirit of contribution spirit of offering spirit of letting go it involves maturity responsibility and is self restrain and also a spirit of contribution 
That's real dharma. So dharmena, let us use svarvanashrama, we'll forget. But dharmena, by dharma, by living a life of maturity, living a life of contribution, living life intelligently. <coughs> Number one, tapasa, tapas means austerity. In fact, living life of dharma itself is austerity. What is austerity? Austerity is the suffering or the, 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 uh, the, uh, the pain or suffering that I willingly do. <clears throat> and so, of course, here they will say, Krucha, Chandrayana, etc., Tapasa. Tapas means austerity. But austerity, you can say that at individual level, it is minimum demand or minimum consumption. So in dharma, our commitment to fulfill the need of others, in duty, in every situation, when I perform the duty, the need of the one, I am bound to duty, I am duty bound. As a son, if I am bound to duty to my parents, then their need becomes more important than my need. So in dharma of the duty, our needs are always subservient to the needs of others. So that's how all the time a sacrifice the letting go is involved. So that's my when I relate to others. What about my individual tapasa? Individual commitment to consume the minimum. To contribute the maximum there is dharma and to consume the minimum that is called tapas or austerity. And that consumption of minimum requires self-restraint, of course. Because I must keep under check the impulses or the desire of indulgence, you know, in my senses and my mind. And so tapas or austerity means freedom from all indulgence, freedom from all excesses and doing, just consuming what is absolutely equal. <coughs> that will make you sadhu anyway. So tapas. Usually tapas means fasting, that is all fine. But real tapas or austerity is consuming the minimum. Dharma is, yoga is contributing the maximum and tapas is consuming the minimum. <coughs> so svavanashram dharmena tapasa haritoshanat So haritoshanat by propitiating or satisfying or pleasing the Lord, Hari. Again Hari came, you know. Sri Harim Paramanandam, now again Hari Toshanat. So people, you know, they ask sometimes, who is the Ishta Devata of Shankaracharya? You know? He himself was the, the incarnation of Lord Shiva. Shiva is always the devotee of Vishnu, you know. Vishnu is devotee of Shiva and Shiva is devotee of Vishnu. So I guess, so, Adi Shankaracharya, being the incarnation of Lord Shiva, was the devotee of Lord Vishnu. Hari comes again and again. <coughs> anyway, this is all uh, for the scholars. <coughs> and I don't think it's very important, but... <coughs> so, Hari Toshana, Toshanam, propitiating the Lord, by propitiating Hari, by propitiating Ishvara. By doing that, we should please Ishvara. And therefore, every time when I am about to do something, I have this resolve in my mind. 
May the Lord be pleased with what I am about to do. Understand that He witnesses everything. I cannot escape from Him. I can close all my doors, all curtains, nobody sees me. Then I think I am free to do what I want to do. Not quite, because He always sees me. He is a very witness in my mind. And ever, every thought also is, is <laughs> this is a tough job, you know, because it's like these days you have those, uh, you know, the, the, what do you call them, this closed circuit TV, you know, CCTV, closed circuit TV, everywhere. In the United States, every intersection there is a TV camera. They tell you, of course, that you are being surveyed, you know, there is surveillance here. They need not, but they tell you. And so, there is a CCTV right within. Every thought of mine also is taken note of. And therefore, it is not merely what I do, but even what I say and what I think. And so, by word, by the thought, by word, by deed. Pleasing Ishvara. Doing what will please Ishvara. What will please Ishvara? If you are Ishvara, what would you do? Who Ishvara means Lord. Lord Krishna says, Pitamasya Jagadha Mata Dhata Pitamaha. I am the father of the whole universe. I am the mother. I am the grandfather. So as father of all the living beings, what would you do? What would a father do? What would a mother do? What would a parent do? The parent is committed to the well-being and happiness of the, the, the progeny, is it not so? So, as Ishwar, so how will Ishwar be pleased? We do what he likes us to do. What would he like? He would like that we also take care of all his progeny, all of our brothers, meaning that. So, when I am committed to a life where I do not hurt anybody, not only that I help everybody, so that's the attitude that I have. I mean, the values of compassion, values, so these are the values, that's what will please Ishvara. Haritoshanat. So, Bhagat Priti Karat, Sarabhuta Daya Lakshanat, Karma Visheshat. Or Haritoshanam, pleasing the law also can mean specific extra of worship that I perform. So, only there is dharma in my life. When I relate to others, in the spirit of duty or spirit of offering, I relate to myself as the one who is committed to minimum consumption. How do I relate to the Lord? By worship. So let there be worship in a life. That means that in every spiritual seeker there must be prayer and worship. Haritoshanam, propitiating the Lord, pleasing the Lord. So some people, the Vedanta doesn't require any, doesn't require bhakti. Doesn't require any, you know, you don't require any worship. Vedanta is Vedanta. Alright, maybe it's for whom? For the highest students. Yeah, you can say that. Those who have gone through this, then you don't require, so you don't require something provided you already gain what that thing has to offer. But here, the very teacher of Vedanta tells us, Haritoshana, that means that for inner purity. So these are the three things that are told to us for cultivating inner purity. Dharma, tapas and haritoshanam, 
worshipping the pleasing the Lord, worshipping the Lord. So worship in many ways, bhakti or devotion to the Lord. You can say that Ishara will please by bhakti or devotion, which bhakti is expressed in form and action. And so Shravanam, Kirtanam, Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Vandanam, Dasyam, etc. Meaning all that we do in terms of worship, in terms of singing His glory, singing His praise, listening to His glory, Shravanam, listening to His glories, Kirtanam, singing His glories, Smaranam, remembering Him, doing japa, etc. Padasevanam, performing puja making offerings. So all of this is part of the bhakti or the means of pleasing the Lord. So you may say haritoshanam, propitiating the Lord may mean performing special actions which are which are intended for Ishwara. See what happens is that Ishwara in the form of the universe of course is to be pleased ideally. As Raman Maharshi would say, Jagata Ishadi Yukta Sevanam Ashtamurti Deva Puja. Raman Maharshi would say that worshipping, you know, serving the life, Jagat as Ishwara itself is Ishwara, you know, worshipping Ishwara. It's tough to worship Jagat, you know. The toughest people, the greatest challenge we have is worshipping the human beings. Pleasing human beings is the biggest challenge that we have. You can please your pet and you can please all those fellows all right, you know. Dogs and cats and things, you can please them easily. But pleasing other human beings is a tough job. Because they uncanny like they keep on pushing your buttons. So then you need an environment where your buttons are not pushed. So dharma means you would interact with the world and your buttons will be pushed. Okay. So you, then you find a time where you are with Ishwara by yourself. It's called puja. That's the worship. Where the altar is there and you are there. And usually the devatas are always smiling. One good thing about all the Hindu deities are always smiling. Meaning, you see the smile, smile is of acceptance and love. So here you feel accepted and comfortable. Here you are, is a place where you are comfortable. When you are comfortable, then you can be honest. You need not, so you need not pretend to be different. When I am with the world, usually some pretension is always involved. I rarely really display myself as I am. It's always politically correct. I always behave in a manner which is diplomatically correct. Politically, you know, I don't come across as I really am. I try to come across as you want to see me or as I want you to see me. But with Ishwara, I can just come across as I am, with all my weaknesses, all my you know shortcomings, because I know that He will not reject me. I'm afraid the world will reject me to find out what the whole Swami is like this. He does this, and he, he also can do that. He thinks like this, so I'm afraid that I may be rejected by the world. But here is one place where I know that I will not be rejected. Therefore, I can afford. With the world, I cannot afford to display myself or expose myself as I am. They say that your husband also is not totally honest even with the wife, let alone with anybody else. Because, you know, everybody needs acceptance. 
here is one place where you can be totally honest, comfortable, accepted. So worship creates an atmosphere in your own mind where you are what you are without any pretension. And then with that you, you make offering to the Lord. You recite his name. You know, you, you think of him, sing his glories, listen to his glories, make offering there, whatever your mood permits, relating to Ishvara. And relating in as a devotee, worship of Ishvara. So, Haritoshanat by worship of Ishvara. So, Dharma, Tapasya means austerity, and Haritoshanam by worshipping the Lord. These three things this author prescribes. For what? For Vairagyadi Chatustam Sadhanam Pumsam Bhave. He is quite confident. By doing that, that human beings are able to discover Bhave, it happens, you know. So there is another reading Prabhavet. Prabhavet means it will happen. When you do this, Vairagyadi Chatustam. The four four qualification beginning vairagya or dispel will occur, will happen, will manifest itself in your mind because it's already there. Basically, the mind possesses all these qualifications. We possess them. It is the adharma, it's the opposite of this. So dharma brings it up, adharma suppresses it. Austerity brings out indulgence is the opposite. The worship brings it out. Whereas, violating what Ishwara likes, just the opposite. So, a life where I violate Ishwara's rule, a life where there is indulgence, a life where there is no responsibility, dharma means no responsibility. So, that's a life which just, in fact, makes my mind more and more impure. And this is what the purity is there. Impurity is only incidental. Impurity is not the nature of my mind. Purity is the nature of my mind. But impurity comes on account of the unintelligent living, like this. Like indulgence is unintelligent. Irresponsible, unintelligent. No offering, no worship, unintelligent. Intelligent living. So that way, what is inherent in me, that purity becomes manifest. As impurity is removed, the purity becomes manifest. And when the mind becomes pure, the so-called qualification, viveka, vairagya, all of these also will manifest. So either you call it purity of mind, or you call it sadhana chatushtam, the fourfold qualification. Prabhavet. No separate effort. Do you do this? And that will automatically So that is prescription that the author gives us. That this, this was sadbhi. The one who is a Satpurusha, one who enjoys purity of mind. How do you gain purity of mind? By doing this. <clears throat> so, how do you recognize now that there is Vairagya in you, Viveka in you, then they will tell us what these fourfold qualifications are, so that we know that mind is getting purer. Or how to cultivate those fourfold qualifications, when we know what they are. So that will be next described in the following verses. Okay. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade 
Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankarajayam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantav Punapunaha Ishvaro Gururatmedi Murti Veda Vivagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om